Today's guest is Gina London, a former CNN Colorado bureau chief, anchor, presenter, and now communication training consultancy owner. Gina made the jump from working for others to running her own business and is now building out her team and bringing others into her business. Clients such as Salesforce and Google entrust their senior leadership team to her for development. This is episode 107 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hi, I'm Mark. This is the Training Business Podcast. I'm the host of the show. It's my privilege to bring you yet another episode of the show. And if it's your first time here, welcome. If it's not your first time here, welcome back. If you are a frequent listener, and I hope so, you will know by now that this is the show for freelance trainers, for training business owners, training consultants, just like you and me all around the world. And the goal of this show, in fact, the goal of every episode of the show in some format, whether it's with guests or just me talking to you, it's to start to grow and to scale a profitable training business. I'm delighted to have you here again this week. And speaking of this week, rather last week, I incorrectly announced last week's episode as being episode 105. In fact, the previous episode was 105. Last week's episode was 106. And the sharp-eared among you will have heard me make that mistake. So forgive me for any confusion I've caused. I have a form of what's called dyscalculia, which means basically I confuse numbers. It's like dyslexia, not with letters, but with numbers. And it's led to all kinds of comical situations in the past. So that's why I incorrectly announced last week's episode. Today is definitely 107. And today's guest is Gina London, who is a former CNN Colorado bureau chief, anchor and presenter. And Gina has taken that fantastic CV that she has and set up and developed with some amazing clients, her own communication training consultancy. So today, you're going to come away with lots of ideas and solid inspiration. I can guarantee you that. Let's meet Gina. Gina, hi. Welcome to the show. Hi. Great to be here, Mark. Thank you. You have a successful communications consultancy business with clients like Salesforce and Google. You have won awards, accolades as a CNN correspondent and anchor. You were a bureau chief in Colorado for CNN. And then you went to start up the Department of Communications for a government lobby group in Colorado. You were then let go. What happened next? Well, what happened next when you get abruptly dismissed from a, a job and a position that you created and you're making, to be frank, making nice six figures and suddenly you're making zero is shock. And then there is, and of course, it sounds easier on the other side of it. So when I talk about this, I don't want to, uh, I don't, I want, I don't want to not give enough uh, poignancy to this moment because for anybody who is, especially now during COVID and unemployment and concerns and uncertainty, I've been there. And really, as an entrepreneur, I think we continue to be there because the uncertainty is is certain. But that moment of forced 
redefining of yourself, force picking yourself up by your bootstraps. What do you do? How do you go on? That was that real moment of what am I going to do? And once you start to realize that you do have skills that are transferable and are a value that you've been doing throughout your career, but under somebody else's uh, umbrella or their shingle, one with CNN and then another with the, with the lobbying group, the government affairs group. And it is just a wild thing to start realizing that people will pay or organizations will pay for what you provide. And the transfer to consultancy has been an incredible and continues to be an incredible journey. And one that I'm very grateful for, because when you personally touch someone else's life and help them begin to, in my situation, communicate and lead with more purpose and strategy and care in a deliberate way, it, it, it has its own reward beyond monetary gain. And I mean that sincerely. So it's been an incredible and continues, as I said, to be an incredible journey. But it was one that began with an abrupt cold water shock, if you will. And you began to take your knowledge, which you acquired uh, running uh, sophisticated programs, and you put that in into work for NGOs. And you realized you had a valuable skill set. Um, you tell the story, because we talked before this call today, that an ex-CNNer or friend of yours, also at CNN, um, had a media training consultancy in DC and she could not service clients in Europe and she nominated you to be head of Europe. <laughs> You're right. I know. You know it, it was a great title. It was a great name. It was a title only, but, but yeah, to take it back then. So you're right. What happened is what I'd left CNN and then had been begun working for this government affairs firm in Colorado, what I had then with that particular position was this rare thing that I really never had with CNN, and that's called a vacation day and holidays, because they would pay you for that, but they would not really give it to you. I worked for four years straight without one single holiday, and that includes weekends. I mean, that's the grueling track that a CNNer is, frankly, for the most part. But anyway, when the holidays came... Unlike some people who are, let's go to an all-inclusive resort and drink Mai Tais. I was like, where can I go that's interesting and, and someplace I've never been, but also give back in some way? And a friend of mine was an elected official, and you mentioned the NGOs, and he was working for an NGO, or he was providing volunteer training, essentially, as an NGO that would was committed to building democracies and helping people run for office or helping people understand how to run a campaign for an issue, if not for uh, a pro-democracy party. And so he said as an elected official, he had this one role when he would go to these different countries. But Gina, as a communications expert, which was the first time I'd ever heard someone call me that, you can go and work with people about how they can strategize, how they can structure to reach their, reach their constituencies, how they can message, how they can deliver those messages. And yes, like you're saying, that was the real penny drop about how to transfer this stuff. And so when we talk about when did I begin that, yeah, I was working for the lobbying firm and with these big corporations with their own strategies, but I wasn't really getting into that training professional development mode until I started going. My first trip was to Jakarta and Sumatra in Indonesia, working with these incredible people, dozens of them who were interested in making a difference in their community and how do they rise out from the pack and separate themselves and craft their own persona and their message. And I mean, it was just so exciting. And 
you can tell by the way my energy and my voice get, gets excited when I'm talking to you because I'm reliving that moment. And to see people be able to stretch and go, you mean I can show energy? I can smile? I can get people excited about my vision? Yes. And when they start to try it for themselves, it's almost like learning to swim or, or learning to, to speak a foreign language. It comes incrementally, but once it comes, it is just life-changing. And that was that moment of, wow, I can do this as a, as a transfer thing. And so then when the job that I had full-time, that was what I did on my holidays, went to Macedonia, I went to, to Cambodia and ran an issue campaign there on holidays. But then when my job was pulled out, the rug was pulled out from under me. That was that moment where, as you mentioned, I talked to a girlfriend of mine back in DC and she was running a straight media consultancy, training consultancy. And she said, you know, let's come do some stuff with me for the overshoot clients that I have. And my husband at the time, <laughs> no longer, but that's another story. He, we were in Colorado, said, you know what, I'll go back and help get, we just had a brand new baby. She was six months old when I lost my job. And he said, and I was the main breadwinner. He said, I'll go back and get a graduate degree and he explored around and he was a bold risk taker at that point about let's just pick up everything and he got a scholarship to go to the American University in Paris. So we went from Colorado to Paris and it sounds really glamorous but we didn't have the glamorous funds that you need to live like it, like you potentially envision in, in Paris. And we were in a studio apartment with a brand new baby and it was incredibly uh, an adventure to say the least. But when we then, my friend in DC was saying, you know, I have clients now that are multinational, but they have executives in Europe that need service and that would be fantastic if you could do that on my behalf. Hence this grandiose press release that said, <laughs> uh, new head of Europe, new head of director of European affairs, which was just in paper only, but it was great. And that's the power of putting out your mantle for people who are, who are looking this and thinking, well, what do I do? Well, how do I put my foot in the water? You just do, you give yourself a title, you name it and you put it out there. And that is until you, uh, well, I had a client now that I coach executives and I've been doing it now for over 10 years, which is amazing when I look back the, the, you know, the path that we're all on. And I had a client who was saying, I'd love to write. I'd love to, to contribute, but I don't feel like I'm an expert. I'm like the difference between you with your experience and someone else who calls himself an expert is exactly just that. They call themselves an expert. And it's not to say that you need to, it's all puffery and you just call yourself an expert if you don't have experience and some success stories to back it up, obviously. But it is that there's not a magic turning point of, ah, I've become one, or ah, I now am worthy of training others. If you've got experience and you have shared stories, then try, see what happens. So what was the one moment of validation for you where you realized, okay, I've got this expertise. I've been working with these NGOs, these clients. You've traveled, you've worked with people in different parts of the world, Jordan, Macedonia, Cambodia. When did you have that light bulb moment? You realized not just can I do this, but I can actually earn money doing this, which is a huge thing for many people, you know, first time in the training business. It's now become a business. It's no longer just training. It's training and business. It's a profession for me. Yeah, correct. I mean, gosh, it, frankly, it still it still happens. I mean, even yesterday I was uh, I've got a, I've now hired a sales a business development sales executive, and he's 
working a, a variety of, of different ways to uh, outreach and get new clients and, and introduce other people around the world to what I do. And yesterday I had an introductory Zoom call with the head of a charity in Boston who works with autistic participants. And now all of his employees in this charity who are used to working in person and because of COVID and, and the restrictions, they have to go online, which is just mind-boggling when you think of this kind of service provider. But his need, as we're talking about helping his employees feel that they can share their kindness and their caring through a screen and what how I can help them learn and feel comfortable and confident about doing that, right there was another of those moments of, wow, this matters, this impacts, and that there's a value and there's that means a fee, but there's a value that's associated to that every time. I work with somebody new, it, it continues to blow me away and get me re-excited about what it is I do and why it's it's so important for people because there is such a need in so many, across every industry, every sector, any human being who wants to have, who has aspirations, part of that is being a purposeful communicator. And I'm grateful that I've broken it down through the trainings, through the work I've done over and over again now into these real incremental steps. I think the first moment that what I thought I sort of, I'd forgotten that I had to learn it like anybody else was that very first moment I was speaking of when my friend in DC had me train these top three executives just below sea level and in uh, Salesforce, excuse me, not Salesforce, in, um, in SAP in Waldorf, Germany. So I flew to Germany, met these top executive vice presidents, was going to work with them for two days on executive presence, two days on media training, and two days on pure presentation, which I thought, oh my gosh, these guys are high up. They're going to already know all this stuff that I'm going to be talking about. It's so, quote, obvious to me. Until you realize that most executives, and it's changing now, which is great, but most people, professionals, are trained in their competencies. But this concept of leadership communications and purposeful reaching out and engagement and all the stuff that I do now, it's really just now coming into, especially, frankly, with COVID, of how we need to support, we need how it's connected to well-being, how it's connected to productivity, how it's connected to purposeful care and curation of a culture. So the first time I was working with these guys and I thought they are going to call me out that they already know this and why are they paying money to this to, to work with me? <laughs> and, and they didn't. And they didn't. And in fact, Mark, what they did is they reached out after the, our sessions were over and contacted me individually and said, Gina, we, this is where it really, it really pivoted. This is a good story. The, the three of them contacted me separately and said, we want to work with you again. And we want to work directly with you. And we don't want to pay the high, high price that we're paying for this DC outfit right now because we're just going with you. And how can we do that? I'm like, ah, dilemma. And I called my friend back in, in uh, DC and I said, you know, this is the situation. And I would love to do this project. And they said that they're either going to do it with me or they're not going to do it at all. And she says, you know what? This is a chance for you to test your wings. And I've I'm with you. It's okay. I know. And that was really the beginning of that awareness that I could do this at first as a sole proprietor 
And then two years ago, when I officially here in Ireland, where I'm based now, launched my own LLC. And that is just an incredible experience to say, wow, now you're a business. This is for real. You tell a story where um, a client and friend asked, are you invoicing? (laughs) You you know, you, you love what you're doing, but are you actually charging for it? Because I think that's a huge thing for many people for the first time. It's, I'm not still good enough, so I'm going to do it for free for a while until I receive enough external validation. And only then will I feel justified in attracting or asking people to pay for what I do. What, what was the resistance in your mind? Just talk us through that. That, am I good enough? Can I actually charge for this? Yeah. And see, this is this is why when I'm working, and I, when you and I were talking before for this particular interview about what would I share? What I said, I'll share everything because I'm a huge believer in open sourcing and sharing everything that I've gone through. If I can help somebody else accelerate that much faster in their own consultancy, I am more than happy to do that because I'm convinced the success pie is infinite and we are only on this world planet for a short time. And however we can help each other, that is my mission, pure and simple. So the The point about wherever you are who's listening right now, if you feel or you've heard people said, oh, you should be training or you should this, that's the answer that yes, you should. If you feel it or someone else has told you, then that's all the validation you need. Now the question becomes, how do you start road testing that? How do you start? You got to have a first time when you're on a stage. You got to have a first time when you're working in front of people or or now in, in virtual land making a webinar or what have you. And there's a zillion webinars out there about how to do a webinar. So if you don't feel comfortable making one or or constructing a story around it, go cherry pick what other people are providing for free. I would certainly urge you not to pay for it initially because there's so much out there. You probably don't need to. I have paid for uh, events just to and, and other sorts of things just to see if there's a smoking gun out there that I'm not doing. And frankly, there isn't. So I would say, trust yourself on this one. But to the question of how do you get that first gig? For me, when I moved here, it was free because nobody had, had heard of me. I'm brand new into this country. I never had, I couldn't tell you any other city besides Dublin in Ireland, frankly. I mean, I, and but I had that CNN background, which gave me that little bit of credibility so that they would be willing to even try me. So start small, start in a local organization, call a group. If there's, if you're working in a company and they're doing a lot of virtual support now, call and say, hey, I'd love to do a session on X. One of the big things I find is you write a title. If someone says they want it, pick a date and go back and fill in your content and make it fabulous, but work backwards from a deadline. Okay. So I had been doing a program with uh, some Nigerian participants on body language, which was a real hit over there in terms of purposeful taking control of your gestures and your posture and your expression. So you're delivering really in a global standard of connectivity. This is back when in-person body language was important, but on screen body language is really important too. And so an organization that I wanted to, to learn more about was having a speaker come in. So I Googled when I first moved to Ireland, communication events, Ireland, and I found an event and I, and I wrote a proposal to speak at the event. But meantime, I'm also Googling other events. And can I attend the event? Can I attend as a one-off? You can, a lot of times these types of groups will let you come as a guest 
first. So you can check out the organization, see if it's got potential clients in there, see if it's got people you can network with. The three components of networking, business development, and putting yourself out there are critical and they can never be stopped. I don't care how successful you are. You've got to keep working on your residency. That's why you and I are talking. I'm, I'm happy to keep keep busy too. And like I said with my friend, don't just be busy, start invoicing. But at the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning, when I reached out to, to Network Ireland, in fact, which is a, a women's business networking organization. I know it, yeah. Yeah, I asked if I, I attended, I met the president. So you don't just attend, you got to attend and be strategic. So I, I attended before I even attended, I'd asked for the guest manifest. I, I reached out to the speaker, said, I'd love to meet with you beforehand. We were already connected on LinkedIn before I even went to the event. So you got to make stuff, you got to be strategic. That's where my campaign and my lobbying and, and all of that comes really in handy in the way that I, I've approach this kind of stuff. Work the room. Who's in the room? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And you work the room before you're in the room too. I mean, that pre-work is really important. I already knew that the uh, president was looking out for me when I came to that event, as was the speaker. And so then subsequent to that, the, the point of this particular story about how to do something and do it for free is not just to do it for free here. That's the kicker. So the president then said, yeah, we'd love for you to do a session on body language and we'll get the group and we'll do this. And I said, and they said, we don't have any budget. And I said, okay, what I'd really like then is PR is a little press. Can you do you? And they ended up, I ended up getting a two page article in the Irish examiner. Maybe it was the cork echo. Now I forget, but it was a two page spread. It was right around the time that a national radio program was going around the different cities. I was based in cork at the time. They saw the producer saw that article. I got interviewed then on that particular radio show and you just keep leveraging leverage, 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 leverage. And I try never, I, I don't at this point really speak for free unless it is an introductory session for a, a high profile client that I believe can make an investment in the future. I'm okay with a lower cost for quote, a first date, but that is only with the mind of a deeper engagement over time. And in fact, two years, the seed planning takes time. So you've got to be, it's tough at the beginning because you won't have a lot of revenue at first and not everybody can afford to just jump out of the plane and make their parachute as they go down. And so I would certainly advise if you are fully employed at this point, but you're thinking about consultancy in some way, try to do a little on the side if you can through your contract or your employment agreement so that you can begin to test the waters, begin to build your craft, reach your network, and also be have a secure income at the same time because it's really hard to do it the way I did, and I don't have uh, I don't have Donald Trump's dad who gave me a million dollars to fall back on while I'm trying to create. <laughs> this thing. So, so yeah. but but take things as exposure, but make sure you are also really leveraging your network while you're doing that, or asking for some sort of barter in exchange. Don't just do it for quote free exposure on its own. Yeah, I talked about that uh, a whole episode on that topic of should I work for free? And that was back in episode 72 for people listening to the show today. Um, and I talked about the various situations in which you could say working for free can be justified. But that said, working for free all the time does not make it a business. And if you're all the time working for free, 
at some point you're going to burn the candle. You you cannot be seen to be so low value. I mean, if I think of it this way, if if I'm willing to give to someone for a cause, that's one thing. Or as you said, Gina, if you're willing to to do something as a loss leader for the purpose of leveraging future business from a network, okay. But at some point, if you're doing things for free, um, you really have to have a hard conversation with yourself. Uh, can you sustain that? And the answer is you can't. At some point, it, it needs to become a business. It's something other than you. This business needs to be fed resources and capital, time, strategy, and working for free is just the opposite of all of that. And your point about carving your value is really important because I was brand new in Ireland. And make no mistake, my clients are global. So whether, I mean, I was doing a lot of work in West Africa at the time and even still in Southeast Asia around Singapore and and Indonesia, but I hadn't cracked into Ireland. So that was because it was, and I made sure that that was known. It's because it's introduction to this new market. See, so make sure when you are doing these things that you are crafting language about why you're doing it, not just for yourself, but for those potential clients, because you're helping message why you're doing this for free. If you let it hang just on my first time or exposure or whatever, then that all in of itself devalues you. And then another point of that is as you're crafting your message about yourself, do and this I get sometimes pushback. Well, you know, we don't put ourselves out and in, in, we don't promote ourselves so much in Ireland. And that is a big, I call BS on that because there are definitely people who do. And so get yourself in that category. There's a difference between confidence and cocky, but the confidence part I am a huge, firm advocate about do not apologize for your level of expertise. Do not apologize for what you bring that is unique and different and therefore of particular value to whatever it is you do. Because if you don't make that distinction, you will be at risk of being lumped in with whoever else and you're trying to distinguish yourself from the pack. So I absolutely stand on the on the pedestal that I that I say, nobody in this country has my level of global experience, has my CNN background, has worked with the top level clients I have. And that sounds really bold, but I do believe we need to stand on top of whatever it is we've worked so hard to attain. I fully agree with that. 2020 itself has been an exciting year for you. You have um, two brands. You've got the Gina London Collective. Correct me if I'm wrong, that was launched in June this year. That's correct. I mean, this is, look, I had made my living up until this point largely, in fact, predominantly in person. I mean, I, which I traveled like less than my CNN days as a, as a breaking news reporter and White House correspondent, but I was in a plane at least two times a week, two times a month, somewhere out of, out of, of far away usually. And, and then suddenly in March, when shutdown happened, like so many of us who are listening, my pipeline, my live events, every single conference I had already scheduled throughout the and, and training programs and coaching and what have you, speaking engagements, they were all canceled abruptly within one week. And most of them didn't reoccur in a virtual fashion. And those that did were at a seventh of the of the rate. You know, and so I immediately after this, once again, another round of shock, because I think we all went through that and the tendency to want to curl up and sort of 
go into a, a hibernation and say, wake me up when it's over. But then knowing that you can't pay your bills if you're, if you're not generating income. I, once again, with this idea of creating titles, creating ideas, I went to all of my current clients and past clients and said, hey, I know it's a difficult time. You all probably did this email. Here are the things I'm working on right now. And I had four topics and Salesforce was the first client. And I had thankfully had great introduction with them back in December with a in-person training program or workshop. And they came back and said, man, we want this one. We want this one. And we want this one for different teams all around EMEA, which of course I'm doing from the quote luxury of my now bedroom studio. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, and I tell you though, as soon as they said, we want this title, we want this title, as I alluded before, then you craft content. You go, great. I'm going to make this an awesome one hour session. It's going to be engaging. It's going to be interactive because nobody wants to sit around and be bored and listen to the virtual version of a sage on a stage yuck so but i had it but i did it and then we launched the website and then i'm really grateful that i had time and i had already shot and had in the can i had this vision of making an online learning platform to take the best of the best of my coaching and training lessons and break it down into the micro learning video sessions i have now in the other platform called the language of leadership.org great name Thank you. Yeah. So that's a six-month program. Um, that was launched, is it two weeks ago? Yeah, it was recently launched, and we've got B2B and B2C clients already working their way through it. We're still really in acceptance testing and beta testing around it. We've got great features. We've got functionality that's good but can be better. And I'm really excited about it because it really is the only one of its kind that is not one big lecture like Coursera or lynda.com or take a pick of these. It is small building upon layer upon layer different. Each month is a different subject around. For example, the first month is purely on executive presence. And each day, Monday through Friday, you get a small video combined with an online exercise that then over time, again, I'm really convinced that this behavior modification, this going from default communications to design communications, purposeful communications has to be learned the same way we learn any other skill, little by little, step by step, because it's too overwhelming if it's all poured at you in one session. So this is a great incremental bite-sized way to learn. And the other reason, of course, that 2020 is, is eventful is because you're starting to transform from being, you could say, sole proprietor now to building a team. So you have taken on a data analytical and marketing team in New Zealand. Uh, you have a business coordinator. You've got someone doing, you could say, the marketing side of things, the stuff you hate. <laughs> you've got web design. Yeah, well, this is, and this is another thing for consultants. Be, I can't do everything. I don't do everything well, and I know that. And I think I'm very, like I've already been touting, I'm, I'm proud of what I do well, and I think that is my, I'm, grateful that that's my strength, but I also certainly know that I don't like the admin, the finance, the the payroll, the I, I'm horrible at keeping a, a calendar. And the idea of, I just took on six senior leadership team members, three in the US, three here in their Dublin office of a billion dollar multinational without giving it away now. And 
I have three months of engagement with these people. And so that's three sessions per month, per person, 27. I can barely do the math on this because I hate this kind of mathy schedule. I mean, the idea of scheduling 27 sessions over the course of three months would make me do that curl up in my bed. And that's just for one client. And you can see how this gradually becomes really time consuming. It, well, but see, that it's, a, it's an incredible skill, actually. This organization, project management, whatever you want to call it, that is an absolute skill. And that's why you try to outsource that. If you can't hire someone full-time, have someone come on and pay them a fee every month or something. But when you're building your consultancy, I have an accountant who does the accountant stuff and the payroll stuff and my own my own um, monthly salary. All of that has to be done externally because I, I, first I would shut down. I just don't like it. And so you know, know the psychology of yourself, know where your where your strengths are, and that's okay. You're you're right, and I think that's that's a huge realization, an epiphany for many people is that I don't have to do all of this. Not that I not that I want to do it either, but um, when it comes to things like um, scheduling all the coaching sessions, um, I have a client now kicking off in October. Team of five people, one session per week per person, plus a group session every Friday. And although I like the idea of doing some of this scheduling, I'm actually rubbish at it. And I'm, I have to be honest and say, when it comes to numbers, I have a mild form of what's called dyscalculia, which means I, I, I get numbers mixed up. Yeah. So last week was, I said it was episode 105 was actually 106. <laughs> you know. So this is the thing. If you realize your best interests are focusing on IGAs, income generating activities, then you've got to let go to grow. You've got to let go those key things. It's not mine, but it comes from a guy called Pat Flynn. And the idea is that you don't build a business, you build people and those people build a business. Correct. Oh, that's superb. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and that is, and there's a learning curve to that. I think that again, why I'd love to share from my own experience, how bringing people together and creating teams, you, you, and I think it's helpful too for people who are sole proprietors, if they, the interaction of that and the bouncing off ideas and other people's input is really, really helpful. And because it's, you can get very myopic or very blinders and it's, it's, it helps to collaborate. And even having this conversation with you and the phrase, let go to grow, these are great. These are the shared learning. is so important. And when you get people that are on your team, then, I mean, I've got a web developer, he's not full time, but boy, the, the team, we've been working together for now for over three years. I've got two video production companies. When I used to travel, there was a, a team that would go with me. And now I'm just getting ready to launch on top of my current language of leadership. I just shot five new, new segments yesterday with a local here in Dublin videographer, because I want to have a real special session, uh, a series that sits on top of language of leadership now that is designed just for re-energizing you around remote working and how to connect and how to what you can control, what you can't control, how to give that professional influence of your path through remote video screening. And there's a real set of skills that I think I thought initially people had come had gotten accustomed to in the last six months, but boy, they haven't. When I was on a couple of weeks ago, I was on national television talking, as I do sometimes on media commentary about the election and different things. And I was in studio. And the guy across, that was the other 
panelist was coming in from Skype or another platform. And when he came on air, I was shocked at how horrible his shot looked. I, you know, it was like, <laughs> wow, have we not been doing this for six months? And instead of getting better, it's like he had just lost the will and didn't care anymore. And the, the camera was up his nose and he was practically eating the, the, the webcam and there was clutter in the background and it looked like he had just gotten out of bed. I mean, and I understand that we're all trying to be more real and accepting of each other in our remote working situations, but come on. So I thought, you know what? I need to shoot another five days, another another five sessions. Need to go in on how to re-energize yourself on what you look like across the screen because that's how you show value yeah. to the other people, not just yourself. You mentioned TV, and you also write a national column for a newspaper. Has that helped as well in terms of business yeah, lead generation? Of course, of course. You know what? And this is again one of my mentors, and you and I think I spoke about about Alan Weiss is a. Million Dollar Consultant, great book. Yes, Million Dollar Consultant. He's based out of Rhode Island. He's uh, written more than 40 books. Yeah, he was on the show uh, last year. Yeah, Great. And Mm. and years ago, I came across him because I was working with a couple of consultants, um, communications consultants based out of Boston, in fact, when I was living in Italy. And this sounds super exotic, but it it really wasn't as cool as it sounds. But, But this couple had this built this really beautiful consultancy in Boston, and I had read one of her books and reached out to her president who also was her cousin. See, this is another thing, you know, if you've got an opportunity to grow your business and you've got a great family member who's good at something, then heck, bring them on, you know, they're trusted and all that kind of stuff. Look to who you know to build your business. But her president was, um, had just traveled to Italy. So I'd mentioned in my initial outreach to him that I was from Italy and he says, oh, well then my CEO slash cousin and, and her our COO was who was her husband. I mean, but again, it was a, a million dollar company. They were going to Monaco for an Alan Weiss conference because this guy does conferences for consultants and it's a great way to make, make money. So I say, well, business development is how you network. Let's, I'm going to go to Monaco to meet you guys for lunch. And I did. Insane. But what a growing, because then I got to meet Alan Weiss and then I was another, like a year later, he was in, in Florence and I went out to meet with him there at the hotel he was staying at. And we talked in the lobby. And again, the idea that you continue to reach what you might believe is above you is something you should do. And so back to the column, when I first arrived here in Ireland, I initially back to an Alan, one of Alan Weiss's edicts is get your profile out there, get out there. Don't sit on your CNN days because those are over or whatever your previous claim to fame was. You got to keep building. So I reached out then to, gosh, the former CEO of Harvey Norman Ireland who ended up becoming a coaching client. So that's an interesting thing. I reached out to him because I had had great customer care, frankly. And I had just written a letter to their HR director, which got popped over to him. He and I had lunch. I said, whenever you meet with somebody, by the way, my big mantra is whenever you meet with someone, ask for a referral. Who else can you who else can you introduce me to? And he said he knew the former chair of the independent news media organization, which I'd never even heard of at that point. I didn't know the newspapers. I was so new into this country. And I met with this fellow, Vincent Crawley, at 
the art museum here in Dublin. I was based in Cork, so I took a train up to meet with this guy. I mean, this is go, go to grow. Don't just let go to Jump grow. Jump on the go train, to go to Monica for lunch. Heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I, well, there's another story where I, a, a, a marketing director of an organization wanted me, was going to be, he's from based in Australia, but he was going to be in London. Could I meet him in London? And I mean, I got on a plane. It was unreal. This was just last two years ago. I got on a plane. For, I, I took the train. No, I was in Dublin. I took the I went to Dublin airport. I flew to, to London. I met the guy for a coffee. I went back on the taxi, went back in the airport and came back. I'm not even kidding. And then last year, because of that meeting, Facebook, who was one of their clients, flew me out to Australia for five days of speaking and training around Australia. It was incredible. So these are the go to grow things. So anyway, back to the column, Vincent Crowley, I said, I would love to write he says, call the editor. I called the editor of the Sunday Independent and I said, I, Vincent suggested I write and here's my, I, I, I'll write on whatever. I think I'll, let's write on politics. I said, why don't we call it the 51st state? Because I, I had a dollar for every time I've heard Ireland call itself the 51st state, I'd be rich. Because I'm like, I don't think we know that in the U.S., but that's fine. If you can. And so we had this, uh, this reoccurring column. And by the way, speaking about uh, free, initially, uh, column um, Cormac Burke, the, the editor, said, well, we can't pay you for it. I said, I don't care. I just want to get the discipline around writing it, plus the exposure, plus you get to know what I can do, et cetera, et cetera. A couple of months into that, I came up to Dublin again. I was still based in Cork then. I came up to Dublin to meet him for a coffee just to check in. Again, you've got to keep, keep, you know, it's rinse and repeat on this networking stuff. Like you're never going to get rid of me now, Mark. You, know, you just know that. And <laughs> <laughs> so I had lunch with him and I had just before I had lunch, I'd worked in the morning with an exec from Heineken on some coaching that I'd been asked to do. And she was there at the offices in Dublin. And I was mentioning that to him as I was having lunch with him. And he said, you know, we're expanding our business section. Would you be interested in writing? Could you write a column? Do you have enough content to write a column on what kind of coaching you do? A bing, 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 bing. I mean, that was like, yes. And here's another note for people who are listening. Build your body of content now. Do not wait for the paper to call or the podcast to call or the whatever to call. Start doing your videos, start doing your writing, whatever it is now. Because, for example, I have been writing blogs on LinkedIn on my own, quote unquote, articles since probably for the two years before that, just to get into the habit of writing around leadership and communications and all the things that I was trying to build this consultancy around. So I already had a whole range of ideas and topics to populate this column with. And now we're three years in to the communicator column, which has brought me clients who've honestly looked up, looked me up through with cut out clippings of that column in their hand. I mean, how how remarkable is that? I mean, how humbling is that? You're right. I, th I think that's, you know, they say that luck is, um, well, luck stands for laboring under correct knowledge. But I, I like a different definition, which is luck is what happens when opportunity meets preparation. So what you're effectively saying is that you can't wait for someone to knock on the door. You literally have to start building your own um, door, and basically building that content. So when you do 
have that breakthrough, that podcast episode or that uh, book opportunity. Some people listening might be writing or thinking of writing a book that you've got content, which you can, and that happened to me because that's what I'm going through right now. It's having that archive of content where you can just go, look, here's what I have. It's not just something I'm asking you for. I can give you a stream of content, which you can publish, you can use, you, you, can, you can syndicate this. This is great. And collaborations are key too. I mean, this is the type of thing that you and I wouldn't have known each other if you hadn't reached out and we're doing this now. And you never know where these types of relationships can go. And I say, especially now during COVID and lockdown and and I think our openness to collaboration as human beings around the world is at a real remarkable place. And so this use this time to reach out in kindness. Don't solicit right away if you're overworking it on LinkedIn or whatever, but get to know people. Try to find, say, I'd like to write an article about you for my blog or for my newsletter. If you want to make it sound more grandiose, I don't care what you call it, but yeah, these are, are start a podcast or start, these types of things can lead to other things over time. And don't expect that it's going to turn. I was at a conference a couple of years ago that I that I spoke at and facilitated, and there was a Japanese speaker. And I wish I could say it in Japanese because it's so much more melodious. But essentially, he says in any business, it's you have to sit on the stone for three years for it to warm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I like it because there's something about the power and the the persistence that goes into really three years is the three is a magic number for so many reasons. But I think when you're starting to put out a shingle and grow a consultancy, if you give yourself that sort of time frame, if you can think about it that way, which might seem really long at the beginning, but when you look back, you go, you know what? A lot does happen in that three years. And it really does take about three years to get into the groove of the finance and the business development and the marketing and how you describe yourself and all those things coming together. And, you know, obviously the actual application of what it is you do, but getting it into that package and getting all those sort of cylinders going off in unison, take some time. Yeah. That's a great point. It's this idea of, of being in it for the long haul an expression I heard, um, a few years ago is that uh, the best time to plant a tree is 25 years ago. The second best time is now. Yeah, <laughs> so start planting. I'm not to I've heard that too. And I but like, I like that the stone one. That's, that's really cool. Um, I've not yet been to Japan. I'd love to when all of this goes away. Just moving to conclusion here. I'm conscious of your time as well, Gina. Thank you for today. Um, what does the next couple of years look like? Because when we first spoke last week, you talked about this year of 2020 being, and, and kudos to you for taking what is a negative situation and turning this into a positive by becoming not just um, the owner of a, of a business, but, but bringing people into that business. As you build out this collective, which is your brand name, the Gina London Collective, and you, I would imagine, begin to make these people part of the business full-time, not just as contractors, how will you know when you've got to where you want to go in a couple of years' time? What does that look like as we look into the future? Well, the f first thing I say to my clients, by the way, is how do you know when your mission in life is over? If you're alive, it's not over. So <laughs> two years is just another step. I mean, as long as I can impact and help others, I hope that I can continue to do that. But to the point of what's on the short horizon of two years, my hope is yes, 
I've already got one full-time employee. I get a couple more full-time employees. If I can get everybody in my collective stable of contractors full-time in some fashion, that would be phenomenal. I would love to train trainers. I would love to develop developers so that we have more people who are feeling very comfortable and confident around this incremental holistic approach to purposeful communications because it is such a lifestyle and it is such a great way to impact people's other people's lives if we can get other people to do that then we can impact more etc cetera, etc cetera. the multiplier effect is certainly at the foremost of my mind also to help individuals i have hired a literary agent and a team that is helping me based in the us i've begun the book now of course like any i think back to the alan weiss i don't think i'll ever write 40 books but his one of another one of his big encouragements is to have that book and i think of course it's important because it is it's a credibility factor you don't have to sell a million copies It'd be great to be the next malcolm gladwell or daniel pink but i don't have those illusions but i am writing a book the working title is developing authenticity the holistic approach of appearance behavior and communications, but developing authenticity. So much is spoken about leaders who are authentic, but my approach is how do you purposefully first become very aware and identify your values and then purposefully demonstrate those externally to others to better connect. That's the way you develop yourself with authenticity at the mind but not authenticity so much that you use it as an excuse that you're just the way you are and you're not going to develop and people just got to take you as you are. Well, that there belies a lot of opportunity for growth there, friends. And so I hope that developing authenticity is a captivating title to make people feel that they can and they should and why not become purposely the person that they know they could be so they can better impact others and themselves. A book, a stronger team, broader influence, because broader influence, and I hope and I'm convinced, means more purposeful, positive impact that others then can go confidently share their values. Back to my new team I'll be working with in Boston that work with the autistic participants, those employees to help them feel more confident about how they can share their care and their kindness through a screen. We're going to be in a blended world of in-person and virtual. And I'm grateful that I've now got the skill set of doing both. That that way you can be global really from wherever you are. And that's exciting. When does your book come out? The book, the hope for the book is is summer 2021. That's the target. Great. Okay. It's interesting you should say that because um, I have Alison Jones, who is the, I'd say she's the director, you might call it her CEO of Practical Inspiration Publishing in October. And she helps people to write business books. So she'll be on the show talking about how, what that process is and how to go about it. And it's a huge mindset thing chef for many people is, you know, training is one thing, but the idea now you're going to put something into writing and have people look at that and criticize you or critique you. That's a huge, um, I think to my mind, a huge amount of, 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 yeah, confidence building, isn't it? It's a different undertaking. And, and spoke, and, and as one who made her living as first a print journalist and then a television journalist, and then in addition to the work that I've spoken about, as you mentioned, the columnist, what this book is not is a collection of my columns. 
So it is deconstructing and repackaging and adding different stories. And that whole effort is a different undertaking altogether. And you're right, that mindset of, is this good enough? Does it flow right? Is it making any sense? Is it just me? I think, again, like I'm such a proponent of getting other people in the room, collectively, collaboration, coaching, whatever, getting a second pair of eyes on this as you're doing it is helpful because it gets you out of your your self-doubt, which we all have, and I certainly have it myself. So great. I look forward to that interview. It's a team effort because you've got developmental editors, line editors, copy editors, you've got uh, formatters, you've got people who market the book. It's it's a multi-step process. Training is, having a training business, of course, is a team effort. So where can people find out more about you and your brands, Gina? Yes, please. Please do look me up. I mean, again, as I mentioned, it is my heart to help everyone and anyone. And there are a variety of ways to reach me. And one, of course, is through my main website, which is GinaLondon.com. There's also a portal in that, or you can go directly to StandaloneLanguageOfLeadership.org. Also, I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's just Gina London. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at the. Gina London, because there was another Gina London, how dare she, years ago, who had Gina London before. So I didn't want to put the the in there as some sort of a chest beating, but that is what it is. And then again, finally, you can also find me every Sunday in the Sunday Independent in the lifestyle business section under the column, The Communicator. Of course, that's for people listening in Ireland, but we've listeners all around the world, so... Yeah, and you can find it online there. Gina London, The the Communicator, absolutely. And there, warning, there is a paywall, but you can find... I do repurpose the column every Monday on LinkedIn. There's a hint. (laughs) (laughs) Gina, thank you so much for your time this morning and for being our guest on the show. It has been such a pleasure. And again, I'm so... I know everyone who's listening who's a consultant out there, no matter what you're doing, if you are reaching people, then it is something worth doing and worth doing well. So I encourage you to keep at it, get support in the areas that you need it and keep on building. Thanks to Gina for being today's guest. And you can find out more about Gina and her brand, GinaLondon.com. That's G-I-N-A London.com and Gina's online course, which is languageofleadership.org. Thank you to you, of course, for being my listeners today. It's wonderful to receive mail from you and encouragement about the show, but I'm also open to criticism. If you think there are things that you'd like to hear less of or more of, uh, please send that to me. My email address is mark at trainingbusiness.com. If you've got suggestions for future episodes and, of course, the kinds of guests who can help you with your training business journey through their experience and advice, I'd love to hear from you. So please keep those ideas coming. Mark at trainingbusiness.com. We have a wonderful private Facebook group, of course, and you're welcome to apply to join that. It's not for pitching your business, rather it's helping you to develop your business because people in that Facebook group are people just like you and me. And I'd love to hear from you if you can find value from this and of course add value to the group. In the meantime, may I ask you to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many, many more. And if you've got some time this week or next week to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts for the show, I would be super, super grateful. But until next week, next Thursday, 
when there's a fresh episode of the show, as there is every single Thursday. Take care, look after yourself, keep training, and keep on selling. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.